you are listening to the Booth Podcast, Saskatchewan's home for unfiltered sports analysis, hot takes, and wild, wild conversations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast, the CFL show, your weekly dose of Canadian football. I am Reese joined once again by Davey O'Doyle after his week off. Glad to have you back, Dave. I'm glad to be back. I had a little crazy bit of uh, class stuff and work schedule mix up and uh, I heard you do an admirable job getting on there on the solo episode there. I mean, it wasn't quite the same listening to a show that you're a part of, you not being on it, but I, mean, I think you did as good as you could for a solo episode. Yeah, that's a different beast. Solo podcasting is a different beast. Yeah. It's weird, right? Like you, you'd almost hope that you had like a big following to do like mailbag or something when you have to be alone, right? right? Instead of just like, oh, here's what I think all the time. I straight up watched like a little bit of Sports Center and was just like, let's just watch these guys like talk through a game by themselves and see what happens. Yeah. Like, like how does Jay Onright do this? Like, right. <laughs> channel my inner jay on right that's what i had to do all right well i mean you did an admirable job for what it was right well thank you but we will move on to some cfl football here and what was a week five is that where we're at now we're in week six now yeah week five last week uh started off on thursday with the battle of alberta and oof this was this was a rough one for the Edmonton Elks. Man, you know, the thing about this is like, I even like in my mind was like, man, the Elks could pull a sneaky one here. Yep. And then they absolutely got handled. I was like, they're at home. Made, it was a close game a couple weeks ago against Calgary in Calgary. So you're at home, you got a shot here and you come out and you lose 49 to six. Oh. I mean, yeah, not not inspiring right like I don't it's hard to know if it's because I mean I think Calgary is good and probably better than Edmonton but I also think Edmonton just played a stinker of a game and that's how you get 49-6 right exactly um yeah a game that was just kind of out of control from the start you had the lengthy weather delay uh in the middle there right after halftime with I don't know Go look up the videos on Twitter if you haven't seen it, but Edmonton just got hit with just a downpour of rain during this lightning delay. And apparently the like drainage system under the turf wasn't working at in some spots. And it was just bubbling up under the turf. Commonwealth stadium looked like a waterbed. Like it was yeah, just like bubble, a bubble field, right? Like, yeah, pretty wild. We've expressed our hatred for Commonwealth stadium on this podcast last yeah, season. So. Yeah. That stadium reminds me of like a less fun, like the old Taylor Field, except yeah. it's like way less fun. It's just shittier. Right? It's like, just shittier. Alberta, you need better stadiums because you're running on McMahon and Commonwealth, and it's not a good site. Either of those, those are both running on E right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, trust me, we know how much it makes it takes to build a stadium, but like, hey man, that sucks. That sucks. And yeah, kind of the story of that game too was poor crowd, 
Just, of course, there were the weather delays, so you lost all the walk-up crowd. Um, and yeah, all the weather warnings and things. So, yeah, you lost all the walk-up crowd in Edmonton. So, just a, I mean, right from right from start to finish, that was kind of just like you know, it's crap this one. Yeah, that game just need to. We just need to forget that one. As CFL fans, we just need to get rid of that one. So we will. 49-6 for Calgary. They're undefeated. Edmonton stinks. That's it. Moving on to Friday night football. And this Riders win did not come without controversy. Of course, I'm sure you've all heard of the... Terrible actions by Garrett Marino, Riders defensive lineman, during this okay, game. So we're starting with this, eh? Well, how can we'll you know? Well, maybe. We'll get to the game after. Yeah, let, let, let's start with the bad. Let's talk about the yeah, game. And after. then we'll talk about the game after, okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, near the end of the game, uh, Dino Boyd, uh, the Ottawa offensive lineman, takes out Pete Robertson, Riders defensive lineman, CFL sack leader. And from at that point, the game had already been chippy at that point. Ottawa was was down. They had no momentum in this game. And things got ugly. Uh, after the, the injury to Pete Robertson, uh, Garrett Marino took it upon himself to avenge Pete Robertson, taking out Boyd low on a play right after the injury and then eventually taking a cheap shot at Jeremiah Masoli that has put Jeremiah Masoli out for 10 to 12 games. Realistically, like you don't want to like condone any sort of cheap stuff, but like he should have took his revenge on Boyd stock, right? That's really where yeah. it should have stopped. Yeah. If there was no like, I mean, reason not, to go after Masoli. I'm not going to stop a guy from avenging his teammate if the guy chief shot at your teammate, right? I can, an eye for an eye. I don't care if he's everybody blind, fine, whatever. But like the Masoli stuff after was the, the bad stuff, right? What did Masoli do? <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the hit, uh, Masoli gets the throw away. And just after he gets the throw away, Marino goes down, hits him just below the knee takes him down and you can see right after he takes him down, he gives a pretty good twist to the ankles of Masoli, the twist to the legs. So the worst part is as soon as this happened, Marino gets up and just flexes, flexes. And uh, you can see him jawing at guys and gets off the field. The penalty's called, of course, he's ejected from the game and he's hyping up the crowd on his way out, still flexing. Ugly scene. Ottawa's whole bench is clearing, coming over to the riders' bench, and it was an ugly scene for sure. I mean, you couldn't hear on TSN. You couldn't hear all of what he was saying. You could make a little parts of it, and it was some pretty ugly stuff, right? Yeah. So I think right the biggest said, it was a bunch of all the racist stuff, right? Yeah. So it is coming out that um, things that were said by Garrett Marino were. In his words, culturally, culturally uh, stereotypical. Um, he was making racist, racist comments is kind of what we've heard from 
Ottawa players. Um, and now Marino today in his apology, admitting to it. Uh, I'll quote him here quick. I know I play the game with an edge, and during the game, I made an insensitive and culturally stereotypical remark. I now understand it was hurtful to my peers, and I hope I can be forgiven for that misunderstanding. I take pride in being a good teammate and a valued member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Football Club. I did not intend for my comments or actions to be hurtful. I take solace in my teammates knowing that I will stand with all of them, regardless of race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. That is Garrett Marino's words. It's not Garrett Marino's words. It's uh, whoever does PR for the riders. That is their words. But it's the PR, and then Marino said, "You know what? Do it on my behalf, brother." That's yeah. what he said. That was a message from Garrett Marino that came out today. Uh, the riders also making a statement and pledging a donation to uh, the Red Blacks mentorship program in Jeremiah Masoli's name. I mean, like, you want to be like, hey, that's really good on them, but, like, it's totally just saving their own ass because the whole thing was handled so poorly, right? This has been the worst crisis management I have seen in a long time. We uh, we still, at this point of recording this podcast, have not heard a word from Jeremy O'Day, the GM, or Craig Reynolds, the president of the Riders. We have heard from Craig Dickinson, the head coach. He's just trying to watch film and get ready to play Toronto this week. And and now he's got to answer questions about his defensive lineman being a racist. That's not his job. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Jim Hobson would have been out in front of this in a heartbeat when he was the president in situations like this. I think back to the the fights on Dooney with um, Dwight Anderson and Taj Smith and, and Hobson was right out as quoting from player conduct and all this kind of stuff is we are doing an investigation an internal investigation into what is going on. And that wasn't even stuff that happened on the field. This I has been. So, yeah. So I'm, um, so in the end, Marino got four games, right? Mm-hmm. That's where this all ended. Yeah. So besides how poorly the riders handled it, besides how classless this was, was it who was the receiver? Nate Bahar? Was that who it was? Yeah. Who absolutely had that huge rant about how disgusting it was, which I mean, like, he's definitely entitled to a voice and opinion because a lot of people agreed with him, right? Like, that's totally fine. But in the end, it was four games. That's where we stand four games from Marino. Yeah. So, four games. The biggest suspension in CFL history. Um, a little different because the, the longest suspension has been capped at two games. Two games is the max suspension. But what they did here was they suspended him for three. Uh, there's three separate suspensions is what it is. So you have two games for the dangerous, reckless, low tackle on Jeremiah Masoli. And for the celebration that came after that, one game for verbal comments made to Masoli about Masoli's heritage during the game, and one game for his illegal tackle on auto on Dino Boyd, the Ottawa offensive lineman. 
that happened right after the Pete Robertson injury. Here's the thing that the CFL is getting in trouble with, and they've now come out and said, we're going to review our terms and our codes of conduct and things like this is, are we saying that one game is good enough for racist comments? A one game suspension is good enough for being racist on the football field? So I guess this is, I'm glad you're bringing this up because here was my question, I guess was for you. Would you have given him more? Do you think this is right? Or what What would you have done? So I think for the the plays, if you're talking two games for the one play and one game for the other, that's right. Yeah. I like that. One game for verbal comments made by Marino about Masoli's heritage during the game, which clearly violates our code of conduct, says the CFL. Well, your code of context says it's zero tolerance. And just last year, an Ottawa executive during the fights that broke out in the stands after the East final was suspended indefinitely for making a comment about like a sexual orientation slur. I believe it was a homophobic slur. And he was suspended indefinitely. So if there is evidence of, Marino making racist comments to Masoli, he should be done. That should be it. He should be suspended indefinitely by the CFL. Hmm. I see. My thing is this: this becomes a slippery slope. Then is my thing. Like I, I'm all on board with the four games. I think, honestly, I think all the suspensions for me, for me hit right because mm-hmm. I, I think this is. If he would have said that stuff and he didn't hurt anybody nobody would have blinked an eye. Mm-hmm. Otto might have been upset, but it never yeah. would have gone this far. No, because that's true. That's, that's where all that stuff is, right? So that becomes a slippery slope of is every time someone says something in the trenches in the heat of this game, just because it's not caught or just because it's not after an injury, going to get suspended indefinitely, right? Yeah. I understand you should have zero tolerance for that, and it's not great, but it's such a slope that I'm okay with what they did for this, even if it wasn't, what some people wanted it to be. I think four games, I'm okay. So I I think what they probably would have done here is, well, we've heard all the evidence saying, oh, he probably said something. It sounds like he said something. So they're like, we didn't really hear it. So we're going to suspend him one game. Right. Because we didn't really hear it. And um, I think he definitely could have won an appeal on that. Uh, Marino's come out and said, I'm not going to appeal because if they would have had clear evidence of him making a racist comment, he would be suspended indefinitely. So they obviously don't have clear evidence of that. So it's weird that they would even suspend him one game for that. If they really don't have clear evidence, but Marino has come out and said, I'm not going to appeal anything here. So we're just going to, I'm just going to take my suspension and I'm going to sit because I know I've done something wrong here. See, I wonder if this, is, does everything get this serious if he doesn't hurt Mazzoli? Do you still think it gets this serious? You know what I mean? It makes me yeah. wonder just because it's so inconsistent, right? Like Simone Lawrence without the comments can do the same thing and get fined, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very inconsistent in this way. And this is like obviously, like I said, I think he deserved those four games. Yeah. And I'm glad oh, he's going to take it too. like a man, right? Yeah. But it's just these, the suspension thing so in up and down and 
even if they have a past history, they consider it differently, right? It's just kind of a mess. Yeah. I think the real story in this all is the CFL sucks at discipline. Absolutely. Yeah. They are terrible at disciplining players. They have yeah. they don't even know what their code of conduct is. Not really. Yeah. So they yeah, they've come out and said now that we're gonna review our code of conduct so that we don't have this kind of stuff happen again. This is only happening because you didn't know the code of conduct when you suspended Marino. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things, like, it's – he definitely deserves it, and he should get those four games. <clears throat> but he's, like, a guy that if we did anything too drastic and cut him, you know for a fact, like, Chris Jones is going to pick this guy up and, Easy. and put him put him on other people, right? So. This is this is Chris Jones' favorite type of player is Garrett <laughs> right. Marino. So if the Riders were to cut him, I am all against the Riders cutting Garrett Marino for this because Absolutely. if he's not suspended, don't – don't take it upon yourself as a team to discipline a player. That is the league's job. Yeah, Your they job is to go out and win did. football games. Yeah. And the writers didn't, but you've seen people on Twitter and on the radio being like, should we just like let him go? We don't need this on our team, no. that kind of thing, right? Like, hey, no, he's like A, a starter. B, brings an edge that, look, face, face it, like football's physical. We need yeah. guys with an edge. And C, like, you think that guy needs any more ammunition? If Chris Jones picked them up, he'd be like, "Oh, Cody Fajardo, screw that guy!" Right? Like exactly. I, I want to ask you, Ryder fans who are in favor of cutting Garrett Marino, do you want to put Cody Fajardo on the field across from Garrett Marino when we play Edmonton next? Because I sure as hell don't. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. I was like, yeah, I think this is that's the worst possible thing to do. But yeah, at least I'm glad he at least got his four games and then took yeah. it right yeah but yeah kind of the, the big notes from this is cfl fix your discipline here and, and figure out what you're actually going to do about things like this happening again in the future so we don't have all this controversy around it yeah and saskatchewan get your shit together get your crisis management together because this was the poorest effort in crisis management i have seen in a long time yeah like I said, like if it if the Cleveland Browns didn't exist, they, this would have been like the biggest one in a long time, right? Yeah. But yeah, pretty poor, right? Pretty, pretty poor. poor. But, but the, game, the game though. But there was a football game too. There was a game, yeah. And it was a great one as a Ryder fan. Yeah. This was uh final score was 28-13. I don't think that reflects how dominant the Riders were in this game. It was weird because, like, the first half, they weren't super dominant. Like, they looked like they were controlling. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second half, they just let them happen, right? Exactly. Uh, Ottawa came out from the break, and I think right away they got their their one touchdown of the game. Masoli threw his his one touchdown to Nate Bahar. But after that, Saskatchewan just started rolling. So, uh, so I guess my takeaway from this is, A, the defense is still great. Like, you're going to hear that all year long, I'm sure. We've heard that for three straight years. Like, this defense is rolling, cruising, great. Um, I'm still I'm still going to shout out. I just can't believe it when I watch it, how good Larry Dean is. When I watch it play, just consistently, I'm just like, man, this dude is an absolute monster. So, shout out to Larry Dean for being an absolute force. Um, man, I love that. That linebacker core. 
Larry Dean makes the plays. Sankey is the little cleanup guy. And Moncrease, that, like, that coverage guy, right? Those three men, so solid. So great. And um, then um, what else I took from that game is I- I've been on board for a long, long time before even seeing how good Morrow's been, which he's been unbelievable, is why don't we just pound the rock? Like, we try so hard with McAdoo, with, now with Jason Moss. We just try to throw the ball the whole time. Yeah. I know football's moving that way, but read the room, dude. Look how good it is when we just pound the rock. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with running the ball if it's working. And this was the first game that I think we saw um, Jason Moss be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, he he gave Jamal Morrow 16 carries. He gave Frankie Hickson five. Like, that's something we haven't seen in a while. Right, he's Pajardo only ball. throwing 22 passes. That's crazy. Yeah, well, he doesn't have any time, so we need the balance, right? Exactly. You need balance, especially if your line is not holding their end of the bargain. If they know it's going to be a pass play every single time, you're, you're in trouble, right? Exactly. As soon as you get that run game op- going, the pass game will open up. It's going to be that much easier because they have to be ready for Frankie Hickson to take it 63 yards to the house. It's just like I've the last three years I've been sitting here like we had Powell for two years and we basically just kind of used him. And now we have Jamal Morrow, who's been the best player on our offense. I'm going to say it straight up. He's been our best offensive player this year so far. Like we just need to pound the rock with these guys. Yeah. I saw that we traded. We traded with uh, was it the Owls? Yeah. For for a return guy, right? Yeah. Mario Alford. Yeah. Alford. That's yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good. Now we realize, like, okay, we should use these backs as backs, get a return guy. We don't need him doing double duty, and let's pound the rock, right? Yep, definitely. Even by the end of that game, Samuel Emelis was doing all the return duties by the end of the game. They weren't putting Hickson or Morrow out on the field for that. Nope. And I think I was so so excited to see Hickson take that one big just because we knew how good Morrow was, right? But I was yeah. like, okay, let's see this guy get some carries in to see him bust one like that. That was nice. That was real nice. And just to outrun all the angles. Like, yep. I didn't think there was bad pursuit by Ottawa on that play at all. And Hickson just outran all of them. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what the, that's what that's what an inexperienced line needs, right? Yes. You know how to run block if you're a line. You do. Pass protection is a whole different thing. There's a lot of nuance. But if you can, if you know your run blocking schemes. You, you dictate that, right? You don't sit back and get dictated to. You dictate how to, how to run block. Exactly. And a young line, inexperienced, we need that. And it paid off, right? Yeah. And we need those guys to run the ball when you have an injured Cody Fajardo like we do. Right. Fajardo's playing yep. with that knee injury. He's still got the brace on. He says he's going to have the brace on for maybe four more weeks. Like, he's not going to be the mobile quarterback that we've had. We heard it. He talked with Sarah Orleski before the game on – Friday and he said I have to change my play style I need to be a pocket passer now so if you can get the run game going with those guys so Fajardo doesn't have to run for 60 yards a game to get the run game going that's what we need absolutely so I have, I have one question I guess about our offense yeah not about our lines not about our great run game um we can maybe when it's when it's a different game I want to go into a Cody Fajardo argument so stay tuned for another week about Ooh, that here we go um, but what have you think about Duke Williams so far? Because I'm really torn what I think about him. He makes 
60% of the plays he should, yeah. but like a lot of the time they're the biggest plays if through the air and they're great plays, right? And he's a good blocker and stuff like that, but he does not make the plays as often as I think he should. We're not seeing the Duke Williams we saw from the end of last season for sure right, right now. I don't know if that's that he's just dealing with injury or what's happening, but it's definitely not the same Duke. Um, you said it though, when he is, when he makes that one play a game, it's the biggest play we've had all game. Right. And it's, he still gets the touchdown. He still gets 76 yards, but he should have had 140. Like, I mean, that's my thing. I was like, I understand. Okay. Cody doesn't have as much time to give you the perfect ball that he would like. You don't have, right. You don't have Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans that are taking the attention away. He's dealing with injuries of his own. So I'm giving him a pass. I'm not saying like, oh man, was that even worth it? I'm not saying that yet, but if those guys come back and we really get it figured out and he's still sitting here with these like two or three drops on contested catches that he should probably make every game, then there's a problem, right? Yeah. Do you know the length of contract we signed him to? I want to say three or four, but I actually have no idea to be honest. No, it's just one year. Was it just one year? Yeah, so it's one year, $260,000. See, that so, makes every single game matter more, right? Exactly. So if Duke doesn't shine this year, he's on a one-year deal. He's not going to get paid the $260,000 if he doesn't shine this year. And that might mean he moves on from the riders after this season. That's a that's a down the road discussion. We are still only in week six, but he's got some things to prove if he wants to get another big contract like this. Yeah. So we'll see. And right now is the time he should be doing that when he's not having to compete for catches with Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans. Right. He's and not like, in- like I said, that's those points are what I also think right of the County argument to like giving him a pass is like, he should be doing more. You know what I mean? Like our group chat's popping off during these rider games. Really active this year, our group chat actually. Sure is during those during those rider games. But you know what I mean? Every there's it seems like someone will do the old Duke, and it, for me, it's hard to get into Duke as much because it sticks in my mind the three plays that he bobbled before yeah. he makes his big one. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know. We have to give him more of a chance. Obviously, it's a long season. But I'm starting to get a bit concerned that maybe something's going on in his head, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, on a positive note, this was a great performance for the riders, I think. Yeah. And especially, you said it for Jamal Morrow, um, 16 carries, 78 yards, and six catches, 67 yards. Like, what a performance. Yep. Get those backs involved, man. If we have to be the Tom Brady Patriots and just like use our backs like crazy, then do it. Right. Like if that's going to win us football games, do it. I love it. There's no reason why that can't win you a great cup. Right. Tom Brady, what Trump did Brady did in the Super Bowls, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And our defense is great. So, I mean, like, let's, let's ride it out, man. Play ball control, make pounder defense on them. Let's win some games. Right. And I guess on a bad note, uh, we did mention it to uh, Pete Robertson was, taken out on a dirty hit by uh, Ottawa offensive lineman Dino Boyd. He's expected to miss four to five weeks with a broken foot. So that's tough on a cheap shot by Dino Boyd that 
We have not heard if there will be a fine for that yet. There probably won't be because it's not a quarterback, right? Right, which is – if it, it is going to be very sad if after that whole performance, only Marino is the one that's punished by the CFL and nobody from Ottawa is because he's not the only one to take blame here for what happened in this game. Yeah, but I mean, that's probably how it's going to go. because That is probably going to be how, how it's going to go, and that's terrible. Yep. I mean, this could be one of those things that if we're watching the 2022 Riders at Grey Cup, you know, like video after the thing, they'll say that this is this Pete Robertson hit right here is one of the things that gave him that us versus them mentality, right? Yeah. Right. Marino deserved it. They know that. But if they're not going to do anything about Pete getting hit like that, then uh, game's on, right? Yeah, exactly. Then we had what was to be the game of the week in the CFL, the undefeated Bombers taking on the undefeated Lions. And this is not how I thought this game would go. A 43-22 to win for the Bombers on a short week, on a back-to-back road game stint here, and unfazed were the Bombers. I thought the Bombers were going to win, right? I could pick them, yeah. but I didn't expect that, right? That, that like, honestly, when you look at that game, when I, like, from the part, I watched probably half of that game because, <clears throat> I mean, like, well, you didn't have to see too much because it was a runaway, but, like, man, Caleros was on fire that game. Caleros was on fire. I'm not used to, like, I mean, Zach Caleros has been good since he went to Winnipeg. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, like, that's an understatement, but... Not like that, dude. He was flamethrowing the really good BC secondary in that game. Like, on his own. Him making magical plays. Good for you, Zach Claros. Yeah. Great game. 76%, 288 yards, three touchdowns for Caleros. Um, Rourke struggled a little bit here. He threw another couple picks, taking him up to four on the season in the past two weeks. Uh Still got 278 yards and three touchdowns, but definitely wasn't the BC team we've seen dominate teams for the start of the season. And that's kind of been what we've said is what's going to happen when they play a Winnipeg or a Calgary or a Saskatchewan. And this is what happens. So it's a question mark of is BC the team we thought they were. You know what I mean? I think BC will still be fine. And I think as the year goes on, they'll get even better, right? I think this game, um, the big reason I picked Winnipeg to win this game is I think I saw a lot of people disrespecting because of how good BC played in those three games, right? I was like, man, these are still the back-to-back great cup champs. This is still a team with a lot of all-stars on this team, right? Like, in my mind, I was just like, it's disrespectful of me to even not pick them until they prove that they're not that team and they came on proof they were that team right yeah i think this game opened with bc being six point favorites that's like that's disrespect that is disrespect that's disrespect yeah just a pure domination by the winnipeg blue bombers um (laughs) after the game they talked to uh oh boy why am i blanking on his name greg allison that's his name isn't it 
Yeah. They talked to Alex, and then he gave the most vanilla answers about, oh, you know, every week is a new week. We're just trying to win one game at a time. I wish they would have talked to, like, Willie Jefferson or somebody else. So they could have been like, man, are you kidding me? We're undefeated back-to-back Great Cup champs. You thought we were going to yeah. lose this game? Like, get real, right? Yeah, I'd rather have heard somebody who was on those Grey Cup teams than Greg Edlinson, who just came for – he's been here for the past five games. Great, and he's just like, oh, well, we didn't really hear the noise. We just wanted to work one week at a time. Like, give me somebody who would tell me, like, man, I can't believe it disrespected us like that. We proved what we, we got, right? Yeah, exactly. But, yes, there's a 43-22 to 22 victory for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They stay undefeated on the season. BC drops to 3-1. and one. So, I think we've got to move on to some power rankings here. Power rankings. We, we have level power rankings. We have some moves. We had no moves last week in our power rankings, but this week things are things are changing up a little bit. We will start out at nine in last place, and still, it's the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They're on the bye this week, so. Not much happened with them. Hey guys, win a game. <laughs> That's win, a game. win a game. Win a game and things will happen for you. But you know what? Hey, you know what? This is your opportunity this week. Win this win game. Win, win game. this game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, at eight, we have the Edmonton Elks. That was a tough week. That was a tough week, Edmonton. Yep. That sucks. You're not moving up after that performance. Win a game, you guys. Win a game game that's not against Hamilton. Yeah, win a game. (laughs) And you'll climb here. Hey, that's what you're saying. Win a game. Um, Do that for the next one, too. At seven, dropping down from the midpoint in our power rankings, it is the Ottawa Red Blacks. This this is a team they've they've had a tough schedule so far, playing Winnipeg twice, BC, and Saskatchewan. But this is a team that nobody expected to be 0-3, I don't think. I mean, seven is probably four. not truthfully where they are as the the teams go. Yeah. But eventually you have to look at it and you guys haven't won a game yet. Yeah. You're winless. Win the game. Win a game. Really, that, that's what the bottom of these power rankings are. Is win a game. Just <laughs> do it. Just do it. Just win a game. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> Show us. Show us. Right? Like, for real, win a game. <laughs> At six, it is the Toronto Argonauts. Hey, they won one game. The... They won one game. They won one game. They shouldn't have won it, but they, they did. They deserve to win it, but they won it, yeah. Great, you kind of won a game. Yeah. At five, the team that's only – the only team in the East that has got a win that they deserved and they actually won a game, the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, yeah, I mean, he won one game. Right on, guys. That gets, you, that gets you pretty high in the power rankings, honestly, that you won one game. Hey, that's good for first in the East right now. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Hey man, well you got you still fired your coach, so see how the rest of the season turns out here. The East currently has as many wins as Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and BC have losses. Yep. That's yep. that's a crazy stat. Yep. 
I said they the schedule makers knew what they were doing on this one because they they back ended all those division games, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, at four, we have the BC Lions, a bit of a dip after the loss to the Bombers here. It, you're still a really good team. I wouldn't let this – a loss to Winnipeg is always a good loss. Like, it's the Bombers. They're back-to-back Grey Cup champs. What can you do? Yeah. At least you're losing to Winnipeg and not, like, Hamilton. Yeah. I said we consider keeping them at three, but – we know what butters are bread on the show. So exactly. And at three, it is your Saskatchewan Rough Riders climbing up the power rankings a little bit here. Yeah. I mean, we're stacking up some wins, right? We're playing these teams and we're stacking up some wins. So that's yeah. what it is for now, right? Yeah. We talk about kind of the controversy that's followed the riders this week, but the biggest story right now this is a four and one riders team. This is a good riders team. This is a team that is a great cup contender. Let's not just shroud them in, in all the controversy. This is a good football team. Yep. Said, so well, maybe, like I said, I'm going to go on the limb and say, this will be the best defense at the end of the year. I still think it's the best defense now. I thought last year they were the best defense in the league, regardless of how good the Bombers were. They're, they're leading up front, and if we can get our, our run game just really cooking, I think we're, we're in for good stuff here. I think so. At two, we have the Calgary Stampeders still undefeated after their routing of the Elks. Right. I mean, hey, man, you put up 49 and win a game to stay undefeated, and you're looking pretty good. Yeah, I think you're going to stay at two. Yep. And at one, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers still number one. When will they fall? Will they fall? Like I said, like I'm, uh, we we would like nothing more than to drop them, but you saw what happened when people disrespect them; they come to play. We won't disrespect you guys to do No, seriously. No, we won't. So that is uh, this week's power rankings. We'll run through them again, real quick here. At nine, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. At eight, the Edmonton Elks. At seven, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Six, Toronto Argonauts. Five, Montreal Alouettes. Four BC Lions, three Saskatchewan Rough Riders, two Calgary Stampeders, and one the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There, there we go. With power rankings. On to week six in the CFL. Here we go. Starting it off on Thursday night, a bit of a dud. Edmonton versus Montreal. Ugh, I'm not excited for that game. I'm not excited for that game either. Not even a bit, honestly. Like, I can't pretend to be. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm not very excited. Like, I don't – I'm not planning my Thursday night this week around that. You know what I mean? I'll watch it. It's still football, but it's not It's not going to be amazing, I don't think. No. It could go either way, I think. Yeah. This is the first we'll see of Montreal without Kahari Jones this season. After he was fired last week, uh, they had the bye last week. So this will be a team. I, I feel like this is a different kind of firing. Usually when you see a guy get fired, he's lost the locker room. The team's struggling. The intern's going to come in and the guys are going to rally around him. I don't think that's the case here. I really don't. I 
I feel like this locker room liked Kahari. I think he was a player's guy. I don't think he was any sort of a guy who had lost the locker room. And I feel like Danny Machocha is going to step in and guys aren't going to respond to him. I'm not going to presume I know who's going to respond, who's not, if they've lost the locker room. I don't know. I don't know how strong the Montreal locker room is. I don't listen to the Montreal beat enough to know that. But I just think it's too much turnaround, too little time, and I think Chris Jones is going to have his guys dialed up to win the game. I honestly, I honestly think that. They got embarrassed last week. Montreal has a new coaching staff, I think. Edmonton gets, gets the win here. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think oftentimes you see a team that fires their coach come out the next week and, and could beat anyone, but I don't think that's the case here. No. I think this is going to be an Edmonton win. Yep. So both taking Edmonton in the first one. Uh, moving on to Friday night football. And, oh, I'm excited for this one. This one's good. We got the undefeated Calgary Stampeders taking on the undefeated Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Originally, I had a different pick for this game, but I'm changing my pick just on the feeling in my gut right now. Okay. I'm going with the Stamps. Are you? I guess I guess after I talk about not disrespecting the Blue Bombers, I'm going to disrespect them. Uh, Hard not to sometimes. I'm going to go back on that. I don't know. Just I have this feeling in my gut that Calgary just laid a whooping on Edmonton. They're dialed in. They're locked in. BC just, you know, BC just came off that big, or sorry, uh, Winnipeg just came off that big win against BC where they proved it, right? Look at this. We proved it. Two undefeated ones. I just feel like, for some reason, I feel like Dean Carey is just going to come out and just run wild. I don't know why. I have that feeling in my gut. So I'll pick the stamps, but this will be really good. And this could go either way. easily. Yeah, I can definitely see this one going either way. I'm going to go Winnipeg in this one. As you uh, should. Someone I, should. <laughs> I, I think they proved what they got last week. Um, yep. I think Calgary's riding a little bit of a high from the big sweep in their, in their biggest rivalry. And Winnipeg's just going to stay on the straight and narrow, focused on the next game. Just straight up, like Greg Ellingson said, we're just trying to be one and oh, and just the most vanilla answer you can give. But he's maybe not wrong because that is the mindsets that good teams have is we're going to be one and oh this week. We don't care about who we're playing. We're just going to be one and oh. And I think Winnipeg will take this one. Like I said, I could could honestly, the way I see this game going, it's either Calgary wins it close. Or Winnipeg wins it by like a couple scores. I don't know why the other two options aren't really popping into my head, but that's just how it goes. And I'm going to pick out still, but yeah. Then we move on to Saturday, a little bit of an early one, Saturday at noon, because it is touchdown Atlantic. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are taking on the Toronto Argonauts in Wolfville, Nova Scotia at the University of Acadia. Yes, I saw that. I saw the picture of them doing the thing with ambrosity today yeah yeah because yeah because yeah, i saw that uh on the little like i totally skipped it blanked in my mind it was touchdown atlantic and i looked i was like they're playing at noon yeah <laughs> right yeah but yeah i mean it's, it's that's kind of a treat in its own way though yep it is definitely get your stuff done in the morning and then right at lunchtime there you get a little bit of rider still for it exactly um 
I mean, this is a pretty clear cut one. I think it's West versus East. We've seen how that's gone this season. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm as well just going to pick the riders. I think that defense alone is enough to put a stomp of mud hole in the Argos or eight, especially if we get the run game going like we should, it's going to be right. Yeah. You two are a little bit here since we're on the topic of touchdown Atlantic, just in a little bit of talking about out there, your prediction. Are we going to see a team in Atlantic Canada in the next five to seven years? Are we going to see it? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, like, I hope so, but it's it's hard to say, right? I think we will. I think it's what the CFL needs to do. I think you're talking about low attendances and stuff and, and not being able to get butts in seats. Well, introduce more seats. Let's get a new team. Let's get fresh blood in this league. Let's open it up. There's companies out there that aren't going to buy sponsorships because why would they be advertising on TSN to people they're not customers that can't be customers of them because they're in Atlantic Canada. You're going to get more sponsorships out there from companies out there. You're going to get a new fan base that's ready to go, that'll fill seats. I think it's a good idea. I think it's what this league needs right now. Like I said, with all that stuff about will this league go under and stuff, we need new revenue streams. We need new fans. So you, you can really hope all that stuff happens, right? Yeah. So that is Touchdown Atlantic, both taking Saskatchewan in that one. Moving on to the final game of the week. It is the Ottawa Red Blacks taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This one's this is tough. There's not Jeremiah Masoli, obviously not playing. Um, big news we kind of skipped over. Uh, Nick Arbuckle was traded from the Edmonton Elks to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I don't believe he's going to be playing this week, though. See, that's what's tough. I want to pick the Red Blacks, but. If what's his name is playing Caleb, Caleb Evans. Evans, yeah, yeah, that's his name. And I don't want to pick the Red Blacks, but um, I'm gonna pick the Red Blacks because it's kind of a fun little skit for me that like Hamilton's so bad. It's kind of a fun little thing for me, so I'm gonna pick Ottawa. But like, if Caleb Evans is playing, then the confidence is way down. I'm going to, I believe, for the first time this season, pick Hamilton to win a game. I don't think I have – I don't think either of us have done that this year. I haven't picked up. No. So this will be the first Hamilton pick on the booth. Congratulations, Hamilton. You've at least <laughs> won a prediction. That's the closest you've come to a win. And it, wasn't, it wasn't even a sweep on our show. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was one pick. Um, yeah. I just think I, – I don't know what Caleb Evans has. Uh, we saw him a little bit at the end of the last year uh, after the Nichols injury, but – I don't, I don't think he's got what it takes. And Dane Evans is, he's still a quarterback that's been to a great cup and Caleb Evans is not. I guess I'm taking red Evans. You take yellow Evans and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Loser has to change their name. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. I hope Dane loses. So the starting quarterback is his name changed. I think let, let's start this. <laughs> Evans versus Evans. Loser changes their name. 
they're petitioning for names they could change it to. Exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> their last name could get changed to like Cold Steel or something. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Dave Firehawk. <laughs> Caleb Firehawk. Let's go. Oh, I guess just wrapping up uh, week six here in the CFL. We did mention that uh, Arbuckle was traded from Edmonton to Ottawa. Uh, this coming after the injury to Trey Ford in Edmonton, too, is expected to miss a few weeks. So Taylor Cornelius will be getting the start in Edmonton this week. Oh, well, yeah. I'm still going to pick Edmonton. But I'm still picking Edmonton, too. The Cornelius show. Let's go. Any closing thoughts on this episode of the Moose Podcast, Dave? Um, I guess I honestly just hope for the love of God, that the Riders run the ball. That's what I really want. Yep. That's what I really want. So I want to see our defense keep it up. I want to see AC Leonard pick it up because Pete's out. And then I just want to see us pound the rock. And I want to see us, you know, in Nova Scotia, doing a little jig in the end zone a bunch of times. That's what I want to see. Love it. Love it. Yeah. You know what I, I, want? I, want, I want them to play great big D songs. This is the Riders score. That's what I want. There we go. I love it. Let's hear it. Um, yeah, this has been the Booth Podcast. Once again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Booth EC. Buy some merch. So all the links to that are in our socials. Everyone here in Saskatchewan have a happy and fun and safe Craven weekend. Enjoy some music. Enjoy some. I know you'll all be drunk, so enjoy that too. So try and try and make some memories and don't forget it all. That's what we'll say here. Maybe if when you're when you're drinking your Baileys because you are still hungover from the night before on Friday night, watch the Ryder game on your phone. Continue drinking, then when it's done, go really hard at like three o'clock. There just you continue, go. Right. Perfect. Just just stay cognizant enough to watch the Riders just a bit. Just a bit. Just to remember that we at least won. Yeah. You don't have to remember much from the game. No. Just remember that we that we won. There we got the ball, and then you're good. There you go. As always, I've been Rich. He's been Dave. This has been the Booth Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Booth Podcast.